The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Justin Strong and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me this week while Ryan is still on vacation, he'll be back with us next week. But while he's joining us, a man who, just like Duran, wants, wants the meat and wants you to give it to him raw, Blake Curran. Gosh, I love that line. <laughs> That's a pretty good way to... Start off a podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when he said that, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> Apparently, people have been having lots of fun with that on, on online. So yes, they have. I've so, seen it myself. So I, I didn't know how to work that in, but I was like, "This is a great place to work it in." So. You, you worked it in perfect. So. I appreciate. It. All right. Uh, if you've been listening to podcasts since we started back in January, thank you for continuing to listen and making us part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoyed as we talk about the fifth episode of Prime Videos, The Rings of Power, titled Partings. If you are new or irregular and would like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash the Main Attraction Podcast and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a $3, $5, 10 or $20 level. When you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. If you can't be a patron, you can help the show out, though, by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review while you're there. If you do write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on air next time we record. All right, well, you haven't talked about this show yet, so uh, real quick, overall thoughts of the first four episodes and the fifth episode in general. Just what have you thought so far? I have enjoyed this immensely. Uh, the, the fact that we've got two shows going on right now, uh, uh, the Rings of Power and House of the Dragon at at this quality mm-hmm. is uh, is pretty amazing. Yes. Um, the 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 one thing that that I'm really excited about uh, that or uh, the the thing that that just blows my mind uh, that they're they're doing uh, between the two shows the the grand scale mm-hmm. of of uh, the Rings of Power. Uh, it's it's such a big show, and yes, it's, it is. you're constantly reminded of how big of a show it is, but it doesn't miss the intimate parts. Not Whereas the House of the Dragon is the exact opposite. It's a very very intimate show, but you don't forget the grand scale right. of that show. And I think it's amazing that you've got these two competing shows that are you know. Two different things, but they're right. still competing just because of the way the world is. And they're doing complete opposite things. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's amazing to watch. The, the, every single time that, that Rings of Power comes on and, and, and just the grandeur of it all. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's breathtaking. It, it's, it's amazing to watch. Yeah, it's been it's been a really really good show. This one, everybody who's been listening to this this podcast, they kind of my episode, my thoughts on the first four. This fifth episode, it's interesting. On this one, I will say this: 
they do some of my favorite things in this episode that I have enjoyed, but they, this is also going to be one of the episodes where they do some things that I don't particularly like. So this one's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that I like that I like about this, this episode more than I liked about anything so far, but there's also some things about this episode that I, I don't like about this, uh, that I don't like so far. So uh, we're going to mm-hmm. jump into it real quick. So we get the opening scene, we get the Harfoots back because we didn't see the Harfoots at all. And this time they do explore all the storylines that they have going on. The, the previous two episodes, they left out at least one storyline. The episode three, they left out the the Durin and um, uh, Elrond, Elrond. storyline. Story the fourth episode, they left out the Harfoots. This one, they incorporate everybody into it. And I thought it was good to get everybody because we kind of need to keep continuity going here. And we kind of need to make sure that we're staying with everybody. But we start off with the Harfoots. And we start off with the stranger who is starting to learn a little bit of English. He is starting to learn to talk a little bit in their tongue. And... They are immediately establishing something that I like about this because this is, goes into kind of one of the big things with Tolkien is this uh, this idea of good versus evil mm-hmm. and the and the tug of of everyone, especially anyone who has any type of power. And it's quite obvious that that the stranger has some power. This idea that he's going to start wrestling with that he is he good is he. Is he really good? And because he he's kind of focused on this idea when he killed the fireflies and he even kind of like axed it out there for a second. You know, you know, he thinks, okay, well, I am peril because she's mentioned something about perilous being danger, and he's like, I am peril, I am peril, and she's like, no, no, you're good, you are good. And he, let's just talk about him real quick. What have your thoughts been on the stranger? Are you kind of with me thinking that if he's not at least Gandalf, he's going to be one of the one of the wizards in this thing? Absolutely, and. and you know the the more that the show goes on, even though he's spending all this time with the Harfoots and they're they're building and building him up and and giving him all this this goodness and the, this love and affection. Um, you know, there's this darkness inside of him that just keeps on creeping. And you know, with this episode, her uh, telling him that that he's good mm-hmm. and, and you know these different things that happen it uh again it it just it makes me feel like it's foreshadowing something going completely the other direction even though it's tried to keep him on the straight and narrow all this time um but he's he's definitely got if if it's not gandalf it's it's definitely got to be some other wizard and now i'm starting to think it's definitely uh, on the evil side. Well, I think it's either. Well, here's the thing: all the wizards, when they first come to Middle Earth, they're all they're all good. And I think it's I think they're going to all be good. But I think one of the things that they are trying to show is most just like the Harfoots, uh, they don't know how to handle him. They don't understand what he is. They don't understand what his dues. Because the whole thing where he does, where he puts his after he ends up fighting the wolves off and he like does this Hulk smash thing. I don't really know how any other way to describe it. Uh, right. He does that. He does that thing where he like scares off the wolves. He it hurts his arm. He, it injures him. And so he's putting it into the, into the water and he is chanting a spell of some sort. Mm-hmm. And it's to heal himself, but he's so locked in that and that he doesn't realize that Nori's sitting right there and that she's basically freezing at the same time with him. And I think this is the, what they're doing is they're setting up that 
whichever wizard is going to be, I, I still think it's they all come in as good. I mean, Saruman, when he first shows up in Middle Earth, he was a good wizard. He was on, very much on the side of of men, elves, the dwarves. He was very much on their side. It's not until he gets a Palantir that and Sauron starts actually using that to communicate with him to corrupt him. That's when he turns up turning towards evil. So it's a you know this is set thousands and thousands and thousands of years before before the, the the Lord of the Rings. So it would make sense that, you know, if he comes, he has to be good at this point. If they want to set up some things that, if they want to try to set up some things that show that he might could eventually turn evil, I'm okay with that. But they don't, I don't think they're doing that with this. I think that they're just showing it. Okay. I think they're showing us that these, this wizard, like I, said, I really still think it's going to be Gandalf. I, I truly do. I, I he doesn't understand what he can do and how he can use his powers yet. He doesn't understand why he's in here. But, the one of the things that I don't like about this storyline, and one of the things that I was talked about this last week, I really truly did not think they were going to do red herrings and all that type of stuff. And now I'm starting to question that. And that, I don't like this uh-huh. idea because <laughs> right. they have they have the nomad, the ascetic, and the dweller who show up after right. we haven't kind of had the scene with with potential Gandalf and the North and the Harfoots. And they are being portrayed as evil, straight up evil. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like I said, this is this is straight. This is straight television invention. I don't know anything about these people. So, like I said, but it kind of makes me feel like either they're trying to either make us think they're going to be Sauron. One of them is going to be Sauron, especially the Dweller, who's played by Bertie Sisson. I think is the woman whose name uh, is the actress of her. Uh, yes, I believe so. Uh, so, like I said, she has that horribly menacing look. It's the look that we kind of saw from the trailers that, that I kind of forgot about. Uh, but we don't really see anything else from them. They don't say anything. They don't do anything except for like inspect where he actually lands. I right. don't know and if they disappear. Yeah, and they disappear after that. And I don't know if they're setting up that these are supposed to be people who are hunting him down because he's a threat to them. I don't know if they're tracking him because he's supposed to be an ally for them. I don't know. And like I said, this is where I'm starting to question this whole idea of if they're doing that, they're doing red herrings and stuff like this, because I don't know what they're doing with him. Like, I think they're going to be really good characters. I do. I just don't like the idea of bringing Tolkien never would. Tolkien would never try to deceive his, his readers. They didn't ever try to deceive us in the original Lord of the Rings. So this idea of let's do red herrings and, I don't like that idea. I, I just don't. May, I look, I know they're trying to make it appeal to watcher viewers in 2022. I still right. don't like that idea, but that's just me. I'm just curious what your thoughts on introducing these three people were. Well, it, it, it I, I mean, I wrote down who was that. Right. And we don't know. <laughs> Nobody I mean, that knows. Was, that was my note. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had, I had no idea. I didn't know what the, what the storyline was going to be. Um, and of course I'm sitting around the whole time, rest of the show, trying not to focus on that. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it, hopefully it has a purpose in the very next episode. So I'm not sitting around thinking about it. Right. But I, am I'm in the same boat, you know, they've, they've done such a good job up to this point for almost everything having a purpose, even, even with an episode like this, where there were so many things that needed to be crammed in to make sure that we had every single storyline touched, like you were talking about, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's still, it still all made sense. Right. Oh yeah, it did. There's, there's nothing else that needs to be uh, forced in. Uh, Just bring it in whenever it needs to be brought in. 
Well, I think they're I think they're going to do something with these people. I, I firmly believe that. I think they're just trying to give us an idea of they're trying to put their. I think what they're going to do could definitely work for this. But the, like I said, the only issue I have with it is now they're. I think they're really trying to again trying to throw us for a loop with who Sauron possibly is. Look, I still think it's going to end up being Halbron, but like I said, I don't like this idea of of potentially like giving us multiple multiple people that could possibly fit the bill for for, for Sauron when Halbrand Halbrand or however you pronounce his name when he's been kind of like checking all the boxes up until this point and now they're trying to like get some more people who might check some boxes because if you're familiar with the geography of this play of everything that they're doing in this, the Harfoots are mm-hmm. going through, they're going through an area and they make a point to show us the map that they're going through. They're going through an area that's going to lead them like through the section that is the Southlands, which is going to end up being Mordor at some point. So like I said, if are they going to end up there because this, this dweller person or one of these other the ascetic or the nomad one of them ends up becoming sauron i don't know like i said this whole idea of like potential putting forth uh, multiple people as sauron i I don't like that idea because you've done a really good job at this point of selling selling this as holobron is going to be it and it feels like they're trying to like give us multiple people and that i'm just not a huge fan of but like i said i know that's just me so uh but the can they continue to show us just how ruthless the Harfoots can be because at one point we, we don't see many of the other many other Harfoots in this, but there is a dialogue scene between Sadak Burroughs played by Lenny Henry and one of the other ones. I can't remember what the other Harfoot's name is. But the Harfoots are so they are so protective of not being not or they're so afraid of, of not getting where they need to that if somebody is slowing them down, apparently they'll take their wheels because she's this woman tells tells Sadak Burroughs, she says, you should have taken their wheels from him because he's the one that the, the big <laughs> yeah. guy is causing all this. And I was like, dang, these they don't play. And like I said, they are ruthless. They, they really are. And like I said, I wasn't expecting this out of the Harfoots. I was expecting them to kind of be the happy go lucky people that we got with the heart with the hobbits. Right. But they're a very different group than what the, the hobbits were. And I know they're the precursors to the hobbits and they're actually Harfoots in the world of Lord of the Rings, which don't focus on them, but they're the precursors and they are a much more less forgiving, ruthless group. And like I said, I, they're hard to like because of it, and which I was not expecting when I came into the show. I thought the Harfords would be one of my favorite things, and they just aren't. No, it's a completely different approach from the Hobbits, so, you know. And and I guess you can understand a little bit of it. That, oh yeah, you know they, they've come they've come to an agreement with, with, within within their own group that look we we have got to uh, prolong our group no matter what. Right, like the these are our rules. We stick to them no matter what. Mm-hmm. But, it's just there there's there's no sympathy for anybody and right. it doesn't matter who right and you know just just like you and ryan have talked about before uh you know whenever they do their their toast for the ones left behind you, you know there, there's there's no heartfelt anything behind that no there's not i mean they, it feels heartfelt but it, it i mean it, it's one thing for them to it, to me it's one thing if they actually if if a group just can't keep up and they can't continue with the rest of the group. It's one thing for that to happen. It's another thing like to actually literally take their wheels from them and not allow them to stay caught up. That's a completely different thing altogether. And like I said, it's just really odd that they have made this, that this group is just so ruthless in the way that they 
treat each other. You know, we love you, but if if you do anything to possibly slow us down, or if we think you're going to do something to slow us down, we're going not only going to leave you behind, but we're going to take it, make it impossible for you to keep up at that point. And yeah, we're not going to give you a chance. We're not even going to give you a chance. Like I said, that's just it's just a really odd look for them. Look. I think this is going to be a fun storyline to eventually play out because they're obviously setting up that Nori and Poppy are going to be the ones who kind of break the Harfits from this or they defy the Harfits or something along those lines. That's where they're going down this road with it. But like I said, it's just, it's a tough society to live in. And if you don't keep up, you know, it's tough for you. So like right. I said, it was just really, it was really, really surprising. I mean, we don't really get a whole lot from the Harfits in this episode. Like I said, the main thing I think they're trying to set up with this is the stranger. And they're trying to show us, you know, he's wrestling with, you know, you know, he's wrestling with just who he is to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, and you know, this episode is titled parting. So I don't know if, if they're leaving him apart from the rest of the group at this point. I, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's, they can so much because he's their only way for them to keep up with the rest of the group. Cause he's the one who's basically toting their cart for them. Uh, so like I said, I really don't know where they're going with the stranger at this point. I don't know where they're going with the Harfoots because Nori ends up running from the stranger in fear. Uh, I feel like they're going to have to reconcile that at some point in the next episode in episode six, but I, I wasn't really sure exactly what they were doing with it in, in this episode. I'll be interested where they go down what road they go down with it in the next one so uh let's go ahead especially and, since nori's been so close close with the stranger yeah. all up to this point i mean she she's been his biggest advocate and now, now she that she's question. scared of him mm-hmm. you know that, that's that's gonna that's gonna be have to be addressed immediately yeah and i think they would do it pretty early whenever we see the harfoots next i feel like that would be addressed then so all right yeah. let's go ahead and go back to Numenor. the Numenor storyline has i've been surprised just because i was so anxious to see Numenor in Lord of the Rings because there's so much talk about it and there's so much talk about its grandeur and everything that it is. And it's been, it's been wonderful to look at and to see. Yeah. It's not been my favorite storyline in this show. And that is a little surprising to me. And they continue to not <laughs> continue to not be my favorite storyline. This, even though there's a lot of stuff that I like about it. Uh, there's some stuff that uh, there's, let me just get the part that I really don't like. So last week in episode four, they introduced Kimmon and Aarian, they kind of put this relationship going forward. I thought, okay, I like this. I like these two characters. They're nice. They're sweet. They're 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 going to be fun to watch. This this episode, like out of nowhere, they are the ones like trying to keep the Numenorians from going to Middle Earth and to helping. And look, I get Aarian's what she's doing in this. I understand what she's doing. She doesn't want her dad to go. She doesn't want her brother to go. She doesn't want them to go right. to war. I understand all that. But it's kind of awoken this like really hateful, racist, xenophobic thing in yes. Kimmon. And like there's a weird political landscape that's going on behind closed doors. That, right. <laughs> that's not going on with the, the whole rest of the city. Right. It's trying to shut everything down. It's really, really odd. It really is. And like I said, I did not like this. I don't like this, what they're doing with these characters because they made them so likable up until this point, And now all of a sudden they're not likable at all at this point. And like, like I said, I can kind of understand Arian. I can kind of excuse her because she just doesn't want her, her, brother and her dad to go and especially like something happened to their mom they really haven't resolved that something happened with her bro- other brother they haven't resolved that or really touched on it either so i can understand why she's hesitant for them to go and and fight in this war but like i said kimmon it feels like he's just kind of doing this because he wants to to help her but to do it he's like sp- spouting all this racist rhetoric and stuff like that 
And the other issue is, you know, they set up that Farazon is supposed to be this slimy, snaky kind of character, which he is in the books. I mean, he is very much that in the books. Uh, in all the dependencies we read about him, he is very much this kind of slimy, snaky politician type character. Mm-hmm. But like when Kimmon approaches him, he says, you know, of course I want to go. I want to go establish trade routes. I want to establish, uh, you know, I want to, you know, have a hand in putting this king of men on middle earth so that we can have something to hold over. Look, these are all things that a good leader would want to do. So I'm like, you've established that he's supposed to be this snaky kind of villainous type of a character. And now you're like making him out to be a good leader. I don't get what they're doing with him at this point. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. It's his character has just bounced back and forth. Like one minute you think that he's got complete power of everything. Right. And the next minute it seems like he, he's just hanging behind in the shadows, not really doing anything. Um, it's, it's, it's a very confusing role. Yeah, it really is. Like I said, it's, it's been pretty consistent up until this point, but this idea that, you know, the reason that he's going, the reason that he wants to help these elf, this elf that, that everybody seems to hate is, you know, it's pretty good logic. It's pretty good reason. That's what a good leader should do. So I'm like, I, I, I don't know where they're going with it. So, but the rest of the stuff in Numor, I actually like, so we get this opening right. scene in with, like I said, we talked about this last week, Ryan and I did, Galadriel, you know, she's been so stubborn. She's been so, so just unrelenting in her pursuit of her goals that she's, she's kind of unlikable a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And we get a little bit more in more depth from her because Halbron basically is confronting her about this. You know, he's like, why are you like this? Why are you so, why are you so pushing forward on this? Why are you doing this? And she basically comes out and says, you know, she's afraid that she has become the thing that she is chasing. That's, you know, this is what, this is what Elrond and King Galad, King Gilgalad uh, were afraid of that. They couldn't distinguish her from the evil that she was chasing. The reason she was abandoned by her company was because that very same thing. So we're getting some insight into her, but it, she doesn't seem to be learning from it because she keeps pushing forward. Uh, right. I mean, she keeps pushing Halbrand into saying, you've got to go, you've got to be the king. You've got to go, you've got to go do this. And it's leading credence. Cause this is one of the things I, I noted in the very first episode. And I talked about this when we covered the first two episodes of this, there's a line that King Gilgalad is saying to Elrond where, the reason he was so desperate for her to go and go to go to the West and to go be part of the Valar, like, uh, like it was originally planned. The reason he wanted that was because he was afraid that the, you know, that she would be the, the, the spark that awoken the very thing that she was chasing and that her, her desire to chase this down and to vanquish the world of this evil may actually be what causes the evil to wake up. And it's leading a lot of credence to that, especially if you're in the camp that I'm in, that Hallbrand is going to end up being Sauron mm-hmm. because she will not let him stay in Numenor. She refuses. I mean, she, she puts it on the line. She basically lies, says that lies to Muriel and says, you know, she, he has to, he's going to go, he's going to be willing to go. Don't worry. He'll be, he'll be, he'll be on board. And he's not. And like I said, I just think it's just interesting the way that they are, are doing Morphe Clark's, Morphe Clark is playing this character because 
it appears that's what they're doing with it. I, maybe I'm totally wrong. If, like I said, if, if he's not going to end up being Sauron, then I am totally wrong about this. But it, to me, this is more more the evidence they're trying to put forward that Halbrand is going to be Sauron is this idea that yes. she won't let him stay. So what have you thought so far? No, that, that, that's if, if they continue on that path because of that, that whole trajectory, then that's exactly it. Because even whenever they have that, you know, completely intimate conversation mm-hmm. and he finally gets through to her right. and he has some understanding for her. Right. Uh, it doesn't stop her from pushing for what she's going for and right. she's not going to stop. She swore that oath to her brother. That's the only thing that matters in her world ever. Nothing else is going to matter until she completes that oath. Yeah. Uh, and nothing's going to stop her to get there. She'll do what she has to to get to that point. And it's, gonna if we continue on this trajectory it'll it'll lead to Halbrand being Sora. one of the things i like about her in this in this episode is this when they're doing the, when they're doing the training sequence and uh uh what's his name l oh, i can't remember his name uh elendil um when elendil is trying to train all the men and he basically says if one person can like even put a blade on her skin or something like that uh i'll promote mm-hmm. you to and the whole scene where she is showing off her fighting prowess, I thought was just fantastic. It was one of the best yes. fighting scenes. It's not even true, a, a true real fighting scene. Cause they're not going to kill anybody in this, obviously, but you know, she ends up taking on just the one, the one guy. I can't remember. I can never remember the, the friends names that, uh, Silver's friends names. Uh, let's see. Uh, Valendil, uh, is one of them. Uh, but Valendil is, is, it starts off with him. He's trying his best to, to get her. Then the other friend gets in. Then there's like four or five guys that end up fighting her all at the same time. Yeah. She's, fighting five at once and she is just like embarrassing them for the most part and finally towards the end valendil gets just a little bit of his blade on her arm and it cuts through the 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 chain mail that she's wearing and you know he gets his promotion on this but like i said I just love that scene it was just absolutely fantastic but it also as soon as the scene's over we have this shot of hallbrand who picks up the sword and like does this really fancy sword swordsmanship with it and again Gladriel, not letting things go, says, walks up to him and says, you know, I've never known a smith who could do something like that with a sword. Like I said, it just continues to, to, she just continues to feed to him that he's more than what he's letting on. And look, I think it's quite obvious that, that is the case. I mean, when they're, when he's giving his kind of his backstory, when he's talking about, you know, the horrible things he did, this is when the people from the Southlands are actually marching to Adar to like pledge their loyalty. Like I said, I don't think it's a coincidence they were mixing those two things together. Correct. So that, that was exactly what I thought whenever that was going on. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go back over to the Southlands. Let's talk about them real quick. So the Southlands, they have a, they've got their own issues going on. Uh, Bronwyn, who is like I said, become kind of become the de facto leader of this, of this group. She is trying to, to like rally the troops together and it's not really working that well, especially when Waldrick ends up stepping up and saying basically, Hey, you know what? We need to go just like pledge our loyalty to this guy. Uh, He's we'll be safe with him when he sided with his folks once because he thinks he's Sauron. I mean, he completely thinks he's Sauron. And he's like, let's just go. And about half the group goes with them. Theo is contemplating it because he doesn't really know what to do with it. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting about when they actually get there, uh, 
you know, they go and they pledge their loyalty. And Waldrig says, you know, I will come and like, I've come to you and I pledge my loyalty to you, Sauron. And this is when Adar just loses it. I, I, I don't know what to make of that because Adar is a completely TV made character. So I don't know where they're going with this character. Yeah. What did you think about that? I, I was really surprised by that because, you know, the, Especially anybody that, that's been watching the show up to this point, right? Or you know, the, you you would immediately think that, uh, you know, he 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 would be somebody in the realm that works right. Sauron. Um, his reaction did not seem that way, right? Um, you know, and that's that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the next episode, because, you know, they started making the march up the hill. Yeah. Uh, they didn't really go too much further into that. You assume that he kills the kid. Yeah. Uh, assume, but we'll see. Oh, you're talking, we'll oh, you talking about, you're talking about, um, uh, Bron, not Bronson, uh, Rowan, you're talking about Rowan. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I'm yes. pretty sure Rowan's dead. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure Rowan's dead. Right. It kind of feels like that's his, that's his punishment for leaving Theo behind the way that he did. That kind of is what it feels like from, from episode four. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's what it felt like. Yes. That's what it felt like. Uh, one of the things I think that I don't know if they're doing this or not, um, but I could see it happening. You know, I could see that basically Sauron, because there is this element in, in the story. If you go, if you read through these appendices and stuff like this to figure out and to figure out some of the other storylines that are, that exist, one of the reasons why Sauron ends, actually ends up on Numenor is because he feels uh, he feels like he wants repentance from the gods for basically siding with Morgoth and, and siding with them. And eventually he ends up changing and he like kind of has a reverse 180 on that. But uh, one of the things that he wants is he wants he wants retribution. He wants to, or he wants salvation. Basically, he wants them to forgive him. He wants them to, you know, he wants to earn their favor back because he realizes he messed up. He wants to actually leave behind this whole idea of him being this conquering person. And so I'm wondering if what they've done is Halbrand. He actually ends up. The reason he's on that boat is because he was on the run from Adar and the orcs. Because the orcs and the Adar. I'm wondering if they kind of had a coup, and mm-hmm. they say, and they said. You know, you were the right-hand man to Morgoth the first time. You both failed, so we're going to do things on our own. They've kind of like they've kind of ousted him. I kind of wonder if that's what's going to end up being the case, because Adar, like I said, he was the fact that he was compared to Sauron at all. It seemed to just make him completely angry. And yes. if, it, if there was any doubt about whether or not he saw Sauron, I think that's completely gone away at this point. But. Like I said, I think maybe that's what they're doing with the character is that basically that's the reason why if, if Hallbrand is Sauron, he's going to come in and he's going to regain the trust and loyalty of the orcs. And it kind of feels like that's the way they're going with it, but I'm not really sure. Like I said, let's see uh, with them doing this with a, a brand new character. I don't know exactly how they're, they're playing this out, but it's kind of where the, I feel like they're headed down with it for, for the most part at this point. So, all right. It definitely feels that way. Uh, Let's see. I did think. Look, I, I do like the, what they're doing with uh, Ron Deere and Theo. Theo is complicated. I think he's very, very complicated at this point. He's got that thing, which turns out ends up being this key. A key to what? We don't know. <laughs> I mean, Ron Deere, uh, basically, when he sees that, when he sees that sigil thing or that hul- that hilt that that Theo has, he recognizes it from this carving that's on this wall on the the, the watch keep. Like I said. I don't know what they're doing with Theo. Uh, he, they're trying to make him a little bit more sympathetic. I feel like they're, they're accomplishing that. But 
I don't feel like things are going to turn out real well for Theo. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I feel no. like that's the case. Especially since, you know, he, he first got into uh, got into the summoning business. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the, the one thing that I, I, I thought was interesting, and, and I, I'm not sure how exactly it's going to play out, but, you know, that stronghold that they're they're all sitting on right now. It, it seemed like some of the, some of the stuff that whenever they pulled back, um, you know, that, that, that sword handle that he had, right. You know, had, had something to do with that area right there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just, just curious if that stronghold meant something, you know, before years ago to Sauron or, right. or, or whoever. And that's why they're coming there first to take it over. Um, so that, you know, that's going to be interesting to see it, once they get to that area, if it's going to be a uh, plug and play, start putting pieces in, in, in place and, you know, powers come about. Right. All right. So let's go ahead and head up to my favorite storyline. This is, it's been this way since the show started out. My favorite storyline of this you entire show, of, I think everybody has been Elrond and Durin. They just continue to be just the best part of the show, in my opinion. Yep, and we get this dinner where King Gilgalad has invited Durin. They they brought Durin, uh, Durin into their city, and he's supposed to be helping them. And they're having this dinner, and it's obvious that King Gilgalad is trying to get some information out of Durin. And Durin's not really. They're basically playing each other at this point. They're 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 kind of poking each other. They're prodding each other. Uh, I love the dynamic they're doing here. With you know. If it's, it felt obvious to me that Gilgalad felt like he could outsmart Durin, uh, mm-hmm. and then Durin just kind of like one ups him with this whole story about this table and about how they <laughs> yeah. about how they save it for like the dead and <laughs> memorials, and it turns out that's not true at all. <laughs> it's a complete false. Like I said, I love that at the end when they're carrying the table and Elrond says. You lied about that whole thing. He's like, yeah, D7 wanted another table anyway. So, uh, like I said, just absolutely <laughs> love that part of it. But that, we don't even get that until until the very end of the episode. We don't even know that that's just a ruse that he's playing. But, you know, they do something that's very interesting here that has caused a lot of spark among the people who are, you know, kind of Tolkien snobs. We understand because Gilgalad eventually goes to, to Elrond and says, you need to tell me if they found that they found the mithril or not. The reason that he tells them that is he wants, he's, he's so insistent upon Elrond divulging the secret is because he makes Elrond recount this song that has been passed down through, through Elvish history about this elf, which they don't give a name. My thinking is, and I've heard some other people talk about this. The elf they're referring to is this elf called Glorfindel in the books. The person who actually meets, who actually meets Aragorn in the Fellowship of the Ring and takes uh, uh, takes Frodo from Aragorn to the mm-hmm. to Rivendell is Glorfindel. It yep. is not Arwen. Uh, most people don't know that, uh, but Glorfindel is the one who does it. And it feels like they're kind of setting up this this fictional elf as Glorfindel. But there's this, apparently this battle between a Balrog and this other elf in front of a Cimmeril, and one's pouring his love into it, one's pouring his hate into it. And the lightning strikes and it like pours all this stuff down into it pours like the Cimmeril into the mountain. And this is the creation of Mithril. And this is a completely book created thing. And some people have not real been like, I don't really care about one way or the other, to be perfectly honest with you. I think it's an interesting story. I enjoyed, right. I enjoyed the telling of it. I enjoyed the visuals of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be interested though, you know, 
if this is a pretty big departure from from the source material to actually give Mithril a an origin story to actually make it like it has to be they have to have it to save their lives because it what it does is it completely changes what happens in the Lord of the Rings because when Gandalf is when they're walking through Moria when they're going to Moria and the reason he doesn't want to go is because he says the the dwarves got too greedy. They dug too deep into the mountain. And if this is the case, if they are changing this, this isn't. They don't end up mining this thing out of greed because they basically stopped production of it. They stopped mining of it after the accident in episode four. This is actually a self a sacrificial thing that they're going to do to try to save the elves. And like I said, it it really changes the story of it. And I, I don't know what to think about it. What did you think? Well, I, you know, that, that was, it, it's a, it's a huge moment. One of my favorite moments of the entire show. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just the, the whole interaction and everything. Um, you know, if, if, if that's, you know, why they decided to go in that direction, uh, We'll get to see very soon. Obviously, yeah, we will. They're 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 going to make a decision immediately uh, in in the next episode. Um, it's uh, the the fact that it's going to be a life or death situation, and the fact that it changes things in, in Lord of the Rings lore. Uh, you know, it, it's a uh, it's a interesting artistic choice. Um, you know, it hopefully it works out. And hopefully it doesn't uh, stray anything too far off, but uh, it's definitely an interesting choice. Yeah, like I said, I don't know what, I mean, I, I do want to know what they're going to do with it. Because like I said, I mean, it could end up working, but like I said, it does really, I mean, it, it changes like the whole idea of what they were, the reason they, they that the dwarves end up digging into, into Moria so deep. Because like I said, in the original transcript, the reason that the whole thing that is set up is the reason they do this because out of greed. It's not because they want to help somebody, but if they end up going down this path, it's going to be because they end up wanting to help the Now, they, they could end up flipping that on its own. I don't know. We'll have to see. But like I said, it, it is an interesting direction to take this because it is a pretty huge departure from the original the original script. Uh, and, and they even set that up a little bit, you know, whenever they first found out about it and whenever yeah. Elrod got there. That, right. You know, they were they were hoarding this to themselves and, and being greedy and they didn't want anybody to know about it. Right. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they play this out. Yeah, it, it will be. And, you know, I heard somebody say on a podcast that that's covering uh, it was on the Ringiverse podcast with uh, Joanna Robinson and uh, Mallory. They somebody wrote into them and said, you know, the, the light of Eldar going out is going to now be the the new the new winter is coming <laughs> because they uh-huh. talked about that forever in in uh, the in Games of Thrones, the light of Eldar has supposedly been going out for like 3,000 years. Uh, Elrond was talking about the light of Eldar going out in the Lord of the Rings movie. So this has apparently been going on for 3,000 years. Something's always threatening the light of Eldar to go out. Um, But like I said, one of the things I thought that was just so fascinating, something that television shows should do more often because you can tell Elrond is conflicted because he has, he has committed this oath not to tell anyone about Mithril, about where it came from, about how, about whether or not they found it or not. He has committed, he has committed this oath. And look, it's obvious that the elves know what that Mithril exists. They know where it is. They know where it should be if it does exist. So he wouldn't be breaking that part. It's just a matter of him revealing that they actually did find the Mithril after all. And 
you know, he's torn because he doesn't want to break that oath because he gave, you know, he felt like that's, you know, that was a very serious thing. I mean, they went to great lengths to show us that if he were to break this oath, it would be a very serious, it would be a very serious break of, of trust from Duran. So he's torn because if he breaks that trust, he feels like he's breaking a huge oath that he shouldn't be breaking, but it also, you know, it threatens the livelihood of his people. You know, they could end up dying if he, if they don't do this. And instead of like either just going out and breaking the oath, like you know, most people would in most television shows, he goes and has this conversation with Duran. They actually talks to Duran about it. Yes. And like I said, more shows should do that. You know, if we want to resolve a conflict, let's have the two people involved actually talk about it and come to kind of a, a conclusion and understanding. And they do, and they have this conversation. And Duran is, you know, Duran can tell because they're friends. They've known each other for a long time. Duran can tell something's weighing on Elrond, and, he, and that's when we get the line about "Give me the, give me the mean, give it to me raw." Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we get that, we get that line, and you know, he's like, "Why don't you just share it to me? Why don't you just tell me?" He says, and he says, you know, because a burden can either be halved or doubled depending on the heart who hears it. And he doesn't really know what to do. So he goes ahead and tells him, and this is when Duran, you know, basically agrees, you know what, we'll we'll dig for we'll dig for it and we'll do our best because he's like, Remind me again that whose hands are <laughs> the fate of the elves in? Uh so Duran's kind of enjoying this little power trip that he's got. So uh right. like I so said, just I, I love their I love the dynamic, I love the relationship between these two. I love what they have done with these two characters, and it just continues to work really well in this episode. Yeah, it was a fantastic scene. Their 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 relationship and their friendship throughout this is is going to be fantastic. Yeah, and it is. I hope I hope they build a, a, a lot off of that. Oh, I think they will. I, I don't think there's any question about that at all, in my in my opinion. But like I said, we'll we'll see where it goes from here on out. Uh, you know, it looks like there's going to be a little. Bit, there's going to be quite a bit more fighting in this next episode. Uh, that was one thing that I was going to mention is that now it looks like we're really going to get into the. Uh, get into the action yes it does it really really does so all right let's go ahead and get our awards let's get anything else you want to talk about no that that, uh, that covers all right so uh, uh up first we have our the first thing that we have is our mvp the Tyrion lannister of the episode who was your mvp for this week well i i had co's for this week okay. i had uh i had morford clark and uh robert arameo okay uh i i thought elrod did a a lot of a lot of different things in a, in a couple different spots. I mean, his, you know, his scenes with his father, his, uh, his scenes with Darren, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then I, I even think, uh, uh, more for Clark. She, uh, you know, especially the emotion that she, she, uh, shared with Halburn. Uh, it, it finally gave us a, a, a little bit of perspective right. Right. into why she's just constantly driving even though she's not going to change. Yeah. Uh, I ended up going back with Charlie Vickers as Hallbrand. I went back to him because I thought he was, uh, I, I think he's having the most difficult part. And I think he has the most, yes. most to do in this. And just the fact that if they are going to make him end up being Sauron, he has to kind of straddle this line, especially now what they seem to be doing is that he seems to be reluctant to be Sauron. Uh, because I think he, I think like I said, if they're going, if they're keeping it by what they said in, in the original manuscript, there was a part of, there was a time when Sauron was, uh, was seeking out mercy because of what he had done and what he had done with Morgoth. And I feel like this is where they're at with this character at this point. And mm. he's eventually going to give back into those emotions and those, those evil desires that he has. And I f- feel like they're doing a really good job of that. Like I said, and if he ends up not being Sauron, then I, I could be totally misreading this, this character t- altogether, but I've enjoyed what he's done. And I think he's doing a really good job of it. So, uh, the Agatha all along is your best scene. What's the best scene for this week for you? 
uh, my best scene was uh, after the meal and everything, whenever uh, Darren and Elrod were sitting down talking in the woods. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the scenes between them are just the best. Everything with them going back and forth, the jokes, the, right. you know, everything that, 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 that was just, it, it was the best scene. For me. Yeah, it was mine too. That was, that was my, my favorite scene. I enjoyed that a lot. I thought about doing the scenes between, I thought about going with the scene between Hallbrand and uh, glad you're over there basically kind of opening yep, up to each that other. That was the other one that I had. Yeah, that was a good one too. So I thought about going with that one as well. But uh, next is the, if you come with the King, you best not miss. What's your best line for this week? Uh, there was a line whenever uh, uh, Elrod and his uh, his dad were talking, and his dad said, "If the hope of finding that does not make you reconsider your oath, I suggest you find another." Yeah, that that was a good one. Uh, and I'm, go ahead. That, you know, you could just you could see on Elrod's face that you know just the the torture. I mean, you talked about it a right. second ago, just the going back and forth. Um, you know, his, his oath, his friend, right. his, his family, his, his entire race. I mean, just all the weight of the entire world on his shoulders and his right. father still just pushing, <laughs> yeah. pushing this thing and throwing these daggers at him. Right. And, you know, he was just, he was a strong enough man to stand on his word and, and figure out a way to. Uh, be a politician and work with, work around yes. it. So. <laughs> uh, mine, I've already mentioned, it was the line from Elrond where he says, the the weight of a burden can either be doubled or half, depending on the heart who hears it. I like that line a lot. Thought it was, mm-hmm. thought it was so, I thought it was very relevant even to today because when you, absolutely, when you share something like that with somebody, you know, if they are accepting and they are willing to work with you, it can make it easier or they can make it much, that much harder, but just pretending, depending on how they receive it. So, all right, uh, rating. We didn't do this with our last show. I kind of forgot about it, so we may just go back and t- uh, touch on that here. But what's your rating for this? We do have a five-tier rating system. Up top is Game of Thrones. Uh, beneath Game of Thrones is a Lost. Underneath Lost is a... Right in the middle of the road for us is Friends. Underneath Friends is a Full House. At the bottom of the barrel for us is a Baywatch. Where would you put this... So Where would you put the first uh, five episodes of The Rings of Power? You know, the this is... This is still a strong lost. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a great show. Yeah, it's a really good show. Uh, it, it's 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 definitely got a chance to be a Game of Thrones. Um, you know, if it continues on the track that it's going, uh, I, I can see it being a Game of Thrones. But it's definitely a strong lost. Yeah, I'm with you. It's still lost. I'm keeping it there. I, it does done nothing to change my mind about where it is so far. I will say this, as much money they spend on the show, it needs to get to a Game of Thrones. It needs <laughs> yes, to get there soon. Uh, they, they need this show to be one of the best shows of all time. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, when you spend the amount of money that they spend on it, it should be absolutely one of the best shows you've ever seen. And right now, it's not there yet. It's a right. really good show. I've enjoyed it. But they still have some work to do to get it to, you know, one of the best to getting our top rating. Like I said, <laughs> uh, will they get there? I think so. Uh, I will say this. I'm a little bit not as certain that they will get to that point after this episode. Uh, there were some things I, I didn't like as much in this one, but right. like I said, I think they will eventually get there, but we'll just have to kind of wait and see. So, all right. Uh, we don't, since this is our third episode this week, we don't have any uh, recommendations. Uh, let's just real quick. We, we forgot to give a, a rating for, for Andor in our episode yesterday. So real quick, uh, where would you put Andor as well? That 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 one is is a tough one. Uh, you know, it, it's the even though it started out slow, I went mm-hmm. back and I watched it twice. Right. Um, 
that third episode was so good. Right. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. So it, it's 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 just squeezing in to a loss for me right now mm-hmm. because I'm I'm really really excited about it. Yeah. Um, but it's hanging on by a threat. It's got to come with something big in the fourth episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I will say. Th- um, Go ahead. But it, like, like I said, it, it started off really, really slow on those first two. Also, like we talked about before, you you, you know, you got to have episodes where it's got to build the characters and right. it's got to build storyline and everything. So that's part of it too. But it's definitely got to come with, got to come with some heat on the next episode. Yeah. Honestly, after the second viewing of it, I came really close to giving this Game of Thrones. I've never given anything a Game of Thrones that quickly. I, I'm not doing it. I'm, I like I said, I really wanted to pull the trigger and go ahead, go straight to Game of Thrones. But I'm not. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wait. I want to see if they can keep up what they finished off in episode three going in these next few episodes. But uh, it's a it's a loss. And it's, it's like I said, it is borderline Game of Thrones for me. They just got to keep bringing bringing the heat for me in yep. the rest of the episodes. If they do, I think they'll we'll be there. So, yep. all right, uh, we will continue to cover these shows. We got a whole bunch of other. We've we still got a few more weeks of. We got three more episodes of Rings of Power. We've got after tonight, as we are recording this, we'll have four more episodes of of. House of the Dragon, and we'll have uh, nine more episodes of Andor. So we got we got a bit more to cover. So if you haven't been watching those shows, keep watching them. Uh, if you or if you have been watching, them, keep watching them. If you haven't been watching them, start watching them. So uh, anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for having me. Uh, Look well, forward to the next time. That's right. Uh, yes, Ryan should be back uh, next week. We will we'll be covering all three of these episodes. Uh, we appreciate Blake sticking in. He's actually going to step in one more time, but we got to kind of do a little time shift there uh, because we haven't watched House of the Dragon yet, and then we got to go record about it. So uh, we're going to go do that real quick, and we appreciate you guys listening. And as always, until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true. I did the wrong music again, Dad. <laughs>